You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. Today, I just want to share with you uh, quickly a few thoughts. Um, really, just going to share my experience in my heart. Um, There's something that's been that's been on my uh, on my thoughts uh, few for for last week for a few days, and I just kind of want to share a few things with you, a few principles, and we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to move tonight in healing of the sick. God's going to move and set in the captives free. We're going to, we believe that God today is going to set some people free from addictions, set some people from different kinds of bondages, from nightmares. God's going to do great things in this place in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, church? Just open with me to Luke chapter 7. And we're just going to re- read a few, a few verses. We're going to read 10 verses quickly so that you just get an idea of the story. And we'll start from verse 2. Now as a Syrian, uh, I'm reading Amplified Version. Now as a Syrian had a bond servant who was, held in on, who was held in honor and highly valued by him, who was sick and at the point of death. And when a Syrian heard of Jesus, he sent some Jews uh, elders to him, requesting him to come and make his bond servant well. And when they reached out, when they reached to Jesus they begged him earnestly saying he is worthy that you should do this for him for he loves our nation and he builds our synagogues at his own expense and Jesus went with them but when he was not far from the house the centurion sent some friends to him saying Lord do not trouble yourself for I'm not a sufficiently worthy to have you come under my roof neither did I consider myself worthy to come to you but just speak your word and my servant boy will be healed for I'm also a man daily subject to authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my bound servant, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him. He turned and said to the crowd that followed him, I tell you, not even in all Israel I have, have I found such a great faith as this. And, and when the messenger who had been sent returned to the house, they found bound servant who had been ill, quiet well it's an amazing story and i just want us to take few principles few keys or few lessons few nuggets from this story and learn from this centurion man because he is worthy of following his examples because jesus himself said you know i have not found as such a man in the whole israel and that speaks of something that speaks of this centurion that speaks something of his character that speaks of something of his um spirituality and who he is and point number one that I want us to to see is that write it down bring troubles and pain of people to Jesus we see this centurion man had a a servant and if you know the history back in those days servants were considered properties they were not they were not considered a um, a human being or in a sense they're almost were considered as, as, a, as a livestock and they were property but this sincerian being in a place of authority being in a place from what we see is a very wealthy man and the servant gets sick back those days they would just toss him out let him die and go get another one especially for a man in his position but this man this sincerian we see something about him that he cares for his servant he values bible says uh, bible says here that he honors and highly highly valued him i think as christians we can learn a big lesson that 
we must value and honor people because in order to have a compassion on a person you have to value him as a person you have to esteem his as, him as a person him or her and if we want to be considered man and woman of faith man and uh, women that Jesus can point to us and said and say this is a this is my son or this is my daughter this is the example that should be followed we should learn from this centurion man that he learned how to value people even those that in that time and that day and that day society did not value society did not even consider worth valuing them we need to learn to value other people above ourselves we need to learn to see other people as important and when we do that when we do that we will be called a great man and women of faith like this centurion was called you know bible says that we are a royal priesthood the job of a priesthood is to be intermediate for the people is to speak on behalf of the people priest is not there for himself priest is there for the people and we bible calls us as christians as sons and daughters of christ uh, calls us a, a royal priesthood our job as christians as priests before god to bring the needs of people to bring the care the the the, the pains of people before jesus literally speaking and 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 also bringing those needs and cares in our prayers before god bringing them to church introducing them to jesus going and ministering to them go and carrying their burden like we have um acts 29 ministry is that still called acts 29 ministry yes uh so um and and other ministries that we have we have in our church where we where people go out on the streets like you heard this there's some testimonies and and minister to people and care and value their lives care the fact that they have pain care the fact that they're suffering care the fact that their family is not doing okay care for the fact that they're on a wheelchair knowing that we were given a power and authority to help such as those that are in need we are a royal priesthood in this day and age when society is so self-centered and we are we, we 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 are going through fast pace of life and it's all about me and how fast can i get can i advance it's easy as a christian to get lost all about me all about and then we bring this culture into the church and and we forget about others we forget about those that are suffering and we stand on a promise for God for ourselves we try to advance our own agendas our own goals and dreams and all of those things are good and they have their place but if we want to go further if we want to be we want to catch attention of Jesus over our lives we have to learn how to value those people how to spot those people how to care for those that are in pain suffering those that are discouraged those that are hopeless and bring Jesus's attention to it how Practically speaking, bringing them to church, bringing them to home group, ministering to them on the street, uh, paying for the lunch, maybe helping those that are in need, and most importantly and even bigger, uh, bringing them on the hands of prayer. The prayer is the highest expression of love that you can do. That means coming to morning prayers and spending time in prayer and praying for, uh, praying before God and interceding as a priest with God, save my salvation. That's why every single, every single service that we have 
after after worship we have time of prayer for our city because we love our city we care for those that are suffering we want to see them saved we want to see them come to uh to salvation we want to see them healed saved and delivered today we have prayer line we're going to minister to people because we as a church we love people we love bringing that the, the needs and the hurts the pains of people before god church is responsible for the city in revelation what god addressed when jesus addressed the church he addressed him by the name of the city we are as a church we are the ones they're supposed to care for those that society even says they're worthless they're useless the drug addicts the prostitutes those that society rejects and doesn't have any hope or plans for them we are as a church we are their last defense we are their last hope you and i as the children of god as representatives of god as ambassadors of god we must value the life of people and we must elevate them to the level of health to the level of prosperity we must elevate them to the level of uh, where they receive salvation and where their life changes in jesus mighty name amen, amen. god says let's put our hands together for jesus god speaks to his prophet and he says i am looking for a man that will build a wall and stand in the gap so that i may spare the city in one occasion he says i found none in another scripture he says i found somebody jeremiah says here i am lord send me today it's up to you and me to answer the call of god to be the hands and feet to this dying world, to this generation, in our schools, in gyms, in every place. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to arrive. This man even considered himself unworthy, yet he was able to still care for, pers for a person. You, don't, you might not have all the ducks lined up in order in your life. You might not be where you, uh, you might not be there where you want to be. You might not have arrived. It doesn't stop you from trying to help other people you might still be battling with some of your own insecurities some of your own issues but help those that are below help those that are struggling and lift them up i love a quote one man said that he said all of you in this place he was addressing a lot of businessmen and businesswomen and he said um all of you are trying and all of you are believing and asking god to elevate you to the next level take you to the next level in business in in other places in your life he said get busy elevating other people to your level and god will get busy elevating you to the place where you want to be point number two build god's house there's something about this man that strikes me is that uh, verse 5 he says he loves our nation he built our house he built us our synagogues at his own expense he built God's house he built the temple um, building God's house nothing better comes to my mind not no better story comes to my mind than the story of David um, just open your scriptures to 2nd Samuel chapter 7 we're just going to pick and choose a few verses from there and verse 1 says this when the king David dwelt in his house and the Lord has given him rest from all surrounding enemies the king said to Nathan uh, the prophet see now I dwell in the house of Cedar but the ark of God dwells within curtains in, an, in a tent David I love David. 
David is, is, my, is my biblical hero. I love studying about him. It seems like the more I study, the more I find out different things that, that, that he did to please God. But the biggest thing, I think, one thing that he had, he had this reverence for God in his time. He had this desire to elevate God above every other God. If you read his psalm, it's all you see. And he was always elevating God's house. He said, I was glad when they told me, let's go to the house of God. And many scriptures, he talks about the house of God. And um, David, after some point, after his life kind of gets settled, his life was, if you read the story of David, I mean, his life is just, from his teenager years, it's just ups and downs, ups and downs. It goes through crazy life. And by the age 30, he got sellers him. He becomes a king. And now David, uh, even the enemy's Bible says they respect him. They fear his name when his name gets called out. And David is doing well. David built himself a very good house. And then he looks and he remembers that God's, God lives in a tent. And he says, no, this is not right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I can't be living in, in, a, in a wooden house, in a well-built house. An expensive house but God, God's presence abides in curtains, in tent. He said the error must be corrected. I must fix this issue. So he begins to uh, consult with the prophet uh, Nathan and, and he says I'm going to want to build God a house. The, the honor and the respect that he has and then in verse 7 God says did I ask you to build me a house? He says from the day that I had judges, from the time I, I commanded the, the, the tabernacle be built. He's like, have I asked you to build a house? It's not a commandment. What God is saying is I didn't commend you. I didn't ask for it. Why are you doing it? In a sense, I'm paraphrasing. If you read verse 7. And um, you know something interesting happened. Verse 11. Listen to this. Oh, oh, if you can put that up uh, it says this also the Lord declares to you that he will make for that he will make for your for you a house so God is talking back to David David already has a house but he says also the Lord declares to you that he will make for you a house and when your days are fulfilled and you sleep with your fathers I will set up after you your offspring who shall be born to you and establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name uh, in my in my presence and and I will establish him the, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever and I will be his father and he shall be my son when he commits iniquity I will chastise him with the rod of man and with the stripes of son of man but my mercy and loving kindness shall not depart from him as I took them from Saul who I took away from from before you listen to what happens this is where God says I will because you wanted to build my house I will establish your house forever he says because you wanted to build my house because you wanted to build my kingdom because you were concerned for my name because you're concerned for what's going on in my house for this I will build your house forever many people come to God they come to prayer line many people come to church and they get a pick me up message and they feel good they get their life straightened out and then I believe I believe in God in my heart but I don't need the church and they leave and they abandon the house of God or they come to the house of God they visit they partake of the food that's being 
every single week being presented they feed themselves but the the their uh their value for the house of god their concern for the house of god their care of what's going on in the house of god is nowhere to be found they don't care for their house they will live in mansions and they will come to church and see a door broken and they will pass by like nothing happened like nothing is wrong david earned himself a name established his throne because he cared for god's house it's one thing to come to how to god's house and receive a miracle and that has nothing to do with you it's by god's grace it's by the cross but the way you sustain it is you get plugged in into the house of god is you become servant in the house of god as you begin you begin to be, get curious what can i do to now serve to make things better is there maybe usher's team that i can be a part of there's home groups there's a media department there's different projects that i can support with my talents with my gifts when god told moses to build a tabernacle he said pick those guys and he said pick the best out of them he pointed out they are the best they're the most skillful the most talented and now bring the gold and the silver let it be built in my let me build a tabernacle every one of us can serve in God's house every one of us has certain gift and talent every one of us has certain resources that we can add to beautify God's house look at Solomon he builds God's house I mean he goes all out on God's house I mean the, the amount of, 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 of material that's spent King David was preserving the material for all his life and then King Solomon was building it for half of his life I mean you can imagine how much went into the house of God and if you'd be a religious person you'd say why this gold on the, on the doors sell the gold give it to the poor feed the needy why all of this fancy smancy stuff why this sound system why are these lights why do you need to have this keyboard for three thousand dollars when you can buy one for 500 bucks why do you need this and that and the leverage spendings of solomon seemed like a waste to some but god honored him honored the nation honored the nation so much that history says that the price of silver was just like any, any other rock you could find it laying on the, on the streets it said in a, uh, in, if you go through the history the nation was so wealthy the nation that the gold they didn't know what to do with gold they just stopped putting gold on the shields of the soldiers they started i mean they just started doing like going to dubai and there's in dubai there's at least like 300 stores that just to do with gold you can do with gold whatever you want you can go bring your iphone and say make it gold and they'll make it for you because there's just so much of it there except that of course you're gonna have to pay 10 grand for it but <laughs> back in israel you probably could get an iphone for like five bucks and get it in gold edition or platinum for 10. but do you see what i'm saying when we are concerned about God's house, when we are concerned on what's going on in God's house, at least know how things work. What can I do? How can I contribute? God says, because, he said, here's the thing, this is not a commandment. This is an option. This is not 10 commandments, don't do this or I'll kill you. That's not, none of those things. This is purely an option. And David goes as far, he says, God, I can't live in this house. And you live in a tent. This is just not right. You can see the heart of David. 
you can see where his treasure lies. Some people say, well, if you're rich, you must be greedy, you must be prideful. No, David was very rich, very rich. Yet we see heart of David. Some people get rich and desire to be rich for the sake of their own selves. Others want to be rich and in, be, be enriched so that they can sponsor God's kingdom. So they can become kingdom financiers. So they can become kingdom investors in Jesus' name. In Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, from the beginning of the chapter, uh, verse 2, he sa God says to people, The people procrastinate. It's from message translation. They say it isn't right time to rebuild the temple, the temple of God. Now I'll skip a few, uh, few verses, verse 5 and 6. Take a good look, hard look at your life. Think it over. You spend a lot of money, but you haven't much, you don't have much to show for. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking, but you're always thirsty. You put a layer after layer of clothes, but you can't get warm. And the people who work for you, what are they getting out of it? Not much. A leaky, rusted out bucket. That's what. God says, it's time to rebuild my temple. It's time to value my temple. And he says, bring the tithes and offerings to the storehouse of God. And so rebuild the temple. And so I, I challenge you. I encourage you. Build God's house. Whatever it means. Maybe it's getting plugged in in a home group. Maybe it's getting plugged in an usher's team, parking team, uh, media department. Maybe contributing with some kind of gifts and talents that you can extend God's kingdom. Build God's house. Help God's house to be enhanced. When you pass by and the trash is laying around, don't pass it by. It's your house. It's God's house. There has to be the reverence for God's house. When you, when you see something is broken and you have a talent and a skill or, 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 um, or finances to fix it, get it fixed. A lot of people have a, this, this thing, they have a calling to point out the problems. They, can't, they come and tell you, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, there's a problem there. But that won't, they won't move a finger to get it fixed. They won't move a finger to get it done. And when you ask them to get it done, they'll send you an invoice and add extra on top, 10% on top. So make sure the covers are tied in afterwards. That's not right. God's house needs to be valued. When we value God's house... God says, I will establish your house. Listen to this. He says, your, the mercy and loving kindness shall not depart from him. Even when he messes up. Even when you mess up, God says, you know what? No, no, this one is special. This one is special. I'm going to take care of him. I'm, I'm going to chastise him. Don't worry. I'm going to discipline him. But he's mine. He belongs to me. He honors me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him back. I'm going to correct him. I'm going to put him on, a, on the right path. The others might do the same thing. And they, and they can slip, uh, they, they can backslide and, and go through a slippery slope. But God says, no, this one is mine. I'm keeping it to myself. God loves everybody equally. But the relationship that we have with God and His house changes things and where we stand before God. And how God responds to us. You know, in my personal life, and I didn't share this with, with anybody. And uh, I just contemplated if I even should share it or not. But... You know, for, for um, many years already, many, many years, a decade, a lot of the things that, that you see even on the stage, uh, music-wise and other things, were bought with my own personal money. But I didn't have to do it. Uh, when the church was small and, and the offerings were small, um, for example, even to buy this keyboard right here, that's, that's S90 at that time, you know, it was about $3,500. I asked church to, we need a new keyboard, the other one broke, uh, and so a few keys were already not working, we were 
playing with it for some time. She said, you know, the most I can pay is $1,200. I said, okay, I'll take $1,200. I went and took a credit at Ted Brown and I bought the rest. Church never knew. I brought them. I, I asked Ted Brown if they're going to make me a special invoice for $1,200. But the, the, but the price for this puppy was about $3,000. Same thing at the keyboard in the back. Also probably asked about $1,000 or $1,200, whatever church was able to do it. And I always, I always paid. I always went above an extra and I always bought the best thing. If you see that little twinkle little guitar board and you see a lot of buttons and pedals, it looks simple. But there's probably about $2,500 in there with all the, with all the, with all the equipment and tools. And good portion of it was bought with my own personal money. A lot of the things that you see here was done and nobody even knew about it. And not even church knew about it. Said one price but paid, was, uh, paid completely different. Over a decade I probably spelled, spent tens of thousands of dollars on media. And, and, and music instruments to enhance the church. There was a time when I would, we moved, me and my wife, we moved back to our in-laws house so we can save up for a down payment for the house. And while we were saving up for a down payment of the house, there's a few things that broke. I went to the store and took $2,000 out of that, out of that fund while both of us were working minimum wage, saving up and purchased things for the house, for, for God's house. And constantly looking how can I do it what can I do it what can I improve and I'm not sharing these things to boast or or or, uh, or make myself look better I'm sharing it to challenge you and to encourage you to do things for God for the house of God to make things look beautiful to make things sound beautiful to make the atmosphere in church look beautiful when people come in it's welcoming that you don't just only to yourself that we build God's kingdom we build God's house today people those that know, uh, know me and, and see the things that God is doing in my life, the doors that God is opening, some people might look at it and say it's random. Some people might say it's a, um, you know, just kind of favor. Yes, it is favor. But there's a lot of seeds over the years that's been sown financially, emotionally. Just the fact that you care. You know what, 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 what the biggest thing that bugs me? about some of the some, sometimes some of the team members and some of the people at church when we do when you ask a task to do they just do it they don't care about it there has to be love for God's house there has to be a love for what you're doing there has to be care it's better to make a mistake but care for what you're doing than to do it perfectly carelessly as a matter of fact there's a scripture in the bible that says that you curse with the curse because you did things in my house carelessly if you must do things for God, make sure it's the highest quality. If you must buy something, make sure it's the highest quality. If you're going to contribute something with your effort, make sure it's the best effort you bring. Make sure it's always your A-game. Make sure you're always focused and you know who you're doing it for, not what you're doing at the moment. Build God's house. Build God's house. Turn to your neighbor and say, build God's house. And I'm going to finish with this and we're going to go into prayer. We're going to go into prayer. Um, your words are your servants. I'll write this down. Your words. Can I get some more? Your words are your servants. In chapter 7, uh, verse 7, the Caesarean says, just speak a word. Say, just speak a word. And then Sashirian goes on explaining what he thinks about it. He begins to explain his revelation of authority, which surprised, 
surprises me. I actually, you know, till last year I read the scripture. Everybody said, wow, such a powerful scripture. I couldn't understand for the life of me. I looked at it. I was like, what's so good about this story? I, and then God just really, when I was reading one book on authority and it really opened up to me. What this ensuring is saying is that your words, Jesus, he's talking about words. He says, your words, are, they are servants. So when you say they have to go, accomplish what's accomplished and come back. Jesus says, God says that my words like rain and snow, when it goes out of my mouth, they do, they, it does what it needs to do. It never comes back void. Jesus has given us the same authority and power in many scriptures of the Bible where it says that there's life and death in the power of your tongues. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. So your mouth delivers you. By the understanding of the universe, uh, by the understanding of the, uh, that the universe was created by the word of God so that it was seen, not made out of things that are visible. By the things, your words do things. They're your servants. They create things as you command. When we understand that our words are servants then you will be sending out our servants to work every day every day I wonder how many how many of our servants are sitting laying dormant and just eating our food taking up our energy and doing nothing they're doing nothing if it's true what the Bible says and I believe 100% that the Bible is true that your words are your servants you have to send them out to work every single day you have to send them out to work every single day you have to command them to do the things that needs to be done you have to tell them that to bring the things that need to be brought you have to speak into the atmosphere as God created his universe so you create your universe with your words your words combined with the words of Jesus with the promises of God with the word of God it has power to create the things from unseen world the things that you see in your head when you begin to speak those words the servants go out and begins to work begins to work they get begin to put brick by brick together brick by brick together don't stop speaking until you see it because many people speak and they don't see things to come but it's being built the only wall the foundations be poured the walls are there the roof start taking shape and they give up because they don't see it to come yet because they fire their servants don't stop speaking don't stop sending your servants to work for you until you see it come to pass till the end till the end in Jesus mighty name your words are your servants Jesus spoke the word God, Jesus was so amazed by this man I mean there's so much more things to, we see his leadership skills we see many different things from this story there's there's so many nuggets to take from this story and Jesus was so amazed by this man called him the, had the greatest faith that he's seen in Israel if we could only understand the power and the, the, the power and the principle of our, our words that are there are servants we would stop speaking negative things because it works just as well on the negative side we would employ our words our servants to work for us full-time and overtime speaking bright things speaking positive things confessing God's word speaking what God says about us speaking what God says about our situation and see things come to pass and see our life drastically changed many of us are imprisoned by the current reality that we live in instead of releasing the reality that we have on inside that the, 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 the reality that Christ gave us the dream the goals that we carry on inside and let them be released through the power 
of our confession and through the power of our words in Jesus' mighty name. Did you receive something, church, this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.